In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. From the Epistle. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. To engage a passage like today's epistle that talks about spiritual warfare, it is helpful to begin by acknowledging the stark contrast that exists between the Bible and the world we live in. In the Bible, spiritual evil is central to the story from beginning to end. In the Christian understanding, the main human problem of sin and separation from God was provoked by the chief fallen angel. And Christ solved these problems in part by, in the language of the Bible, crushing Satan under his feet. The ancient world believed in the existence of evil spiritual forces. The gospel was compelling in that world in part because Jesus demonstrated his authority over them. In contrast, the modern Western world denies the existence of spiritual evil. This is the reason that religion in our time tends to be oriented towards personal happiness rather than spiritual warfare. It is also the reason that the contemporary gospel can make people feel good for a while, but can't set people free from the power of sin and evil. In the last 200 years or so, the main assault on the Catholic and apostolic faith of the church has been rooted precisely in the denial of sin and the denial of spiritual evil. The main heresy is not disbelief that Jesus is the Son of God. The main heresy is that in denying sin and evil, we don't need the Son of God to save us. Jesus becomes a helper rather than a savior. And this shifts the focus of the human struggle. When we deny the sin that is in our hearts and the existence of spiritual evil that affects everything, every human endeavor, we start locating the source of evil in other people and in their systems. We think that the battle against evil is fought primarily by opposing bad people and their systems. Our world has concluded that we wrestle not against principalities and powers, but against flesh and blood. And this can result in displaced passion. Activists pursue their righteous temporal causes with the kind of zeal that ought to be directed only towards God and the spiritual battle. When people lose sight of the cosmic battle against evil, people forget that their own righteous behavior is central to the victory. Jesus conquered evil precisely by being obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Our faithful behavior 
is essential to our participation in his victory. However, if the visible flesh and blood evil is the only problem, the jihad against the visible evil can justify the combatant's own bad behavior. The end comes to justify the means. People adopt the devil's essential philosophy. Thus, everyone attacks the visible evil in others, but all the combatants are unaware of the invisible evil that governs the behavior of all the combatants. The devil couldn't be more pleased because this leaves everybody liable to judgment. As an old song said, nobody's right when everybody's wrong. Or as Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? We can test our faith by asking, what battle are we fighting? In baptism, we were asked, do you renounce the devil and all his works? the vain pomp and glory of the world with all covetous desires of the same, and the sinful desires of the flesh, so that you will not follow nor be led by them. We answered, I renounce them all, and by God's help will endeavor not to follow nor be led by them. Then we were signed with the sign of the cross in token that hereafter we shall not be ashamed to confess the faith of Christ crucified and manfully fight under his banner against sin, the world, and the devil, and to continue Christ's faithful soldier and servant to our life's end. The principal goal of this battle is to maintain our innocence, to be, in the words of the New Testament, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. As I mentioned in a sermon a few weeks back, blamelessness is not the same as moral perfection. To be blameless is to stay connected to Jesus who cleanses us from all sin. Our primary temptation is to be drawn away from our life in Christ and our service to Christ so that we begin to serve some other thing which becomes our idol. And the test of idolatry is this. Is something or some result in this world more important to me than being faithful and obedient to Jesus? Or to put it another way, are we willing to sacrifice and let go of things we want in this world in order to be faithful. The primary thing Jesus has done for us is to restore the relationship to God that we lost through sin. This is what it means to be saved. The primary thrust of the devil's temptation is the attempt to pry us away from God and bring us back in the condition of serving the world, the flesh, and him. This is the reason that temptation to commit individual sins 
is not the primary demonic temptation. The devil has two principal roles. He is the tempter and he is the accuser. He tempts us with the help of the world and the flesh. Then he accuses us. The devil is not interested merely in our guilt. He is aiming at despair, getting us to believe that there is no hope for us so that we will abandon our faith. This is why continual confession is essential to our blameless state. As 1 John says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As we stay connected to Jesus through the habitual practice of repentance and faith, we are justified. Jesus defends us in the heavenly court and dismisses the devil's case. In the beautiful words of Romans 8, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The victory over sin and evil that we have in Christ helps us to understand the nature of our spiritual battle. We do not need to conquer the forces of evil. Christ has already done that. We need to hold on to the victory he has already won for us. This is why the goal of the battle in the epistle is to stand. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. <clears throat> we are protecting the life we have been given from the forces of evil that want to bring us back under their influence. Thus, the main way we overcome the demonic enemy is to hold on to Jesus, to live in him and to live for him, and not let anything in this world become more important to us than being faithful to him. When we fall, the main way we combat the enemy is to return quickly to receive the grace of forgiveness and restoration. The various forms of armor mentioned in the epistle, being girded with the truth, practicing righteousness, living out the gospel of peace, holding on to faith as a shield, being defended by the word of God and constant prayer are the various ways we put on Christ through the practice of spiritual disciplines 
so that we will be able to, in the words of the epistle, withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. As St. John writes in 1 John 4.4, 4, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat>